Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Kia ora, no my haere mai ki Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod this week. We've got plenty to talk about. As ever, because we've got the Bledders Low Cup coming out, plenty of NPC and FPC final, all sorts of things to talk about. James Parsons in the studio with me, Ross Carl, and down in Japan, up in Japan, Japan's up. It's up from here, isn't it? Up in Japan, Bryn Hall. <laughs> How are you doing, Bryn? No, good, mate. Just um, just got back from um, a nice preseason game in Kamaishi. It was a um, no, awesome, um, awesome opportunity to be able to play my first game, and so. Got the win and was about a six-hour travel both ways. So, um, no, nah, but it was great to be able to um, put the blue jersey on for the first time and, and get a win and do some goal kicking as well. Goal so, kicking. Um, really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. I saw that on your Instagram and I was like, is this, this is a thing. This is a, I hadn't seen that before, but apparently you are a well, well-educated boot. Yeah, just needed an opportunity really, Ross, to be honest. But no, nah, but nah, um, I think our... Um, our original original kicker was on the bench, and um, Sam Green, our other first five, wasn't playing. So, um, did some goal kicking on the Thursday to prove to my coach that I could actually goal kick. He didn't know that I could goal kick. So, um, but had four from six, but four of them were in front, and I missed two from the sideline. So, maybe, um, don't know if I'll be getting the job. Next maybe week. that's what I should have done to you back when you debuted for Harbour. <laughs> hey, honestly, <laughs> I was captain, and um, we were about forty out on the angle, so about forty-five meters. Old mate came up to me and said, I got this. I said, all right, yep, we'll go for the three. And I was just like, holy dooly. And then in the review, coach had a crack at me <laughs> for going to the corner. And I was like, old mate said he could get it. And then he, he goes, no, nah, I didn't. And the reviewer just chucked me under the bus. Mate. I was, I, if looks could kill, holy dooly. Oh, um, mate, I'm not- I'm glad you brought that up, Joe, because if, if there was ever a death stare would get an introduction to the death stare from James Parsons, I just threw my captain under the bus. So. Oh, mate. Yeah, mate. It was- took me a few days to just talk to him again. Oh. You're still talking now, though. I know. Well, the problem is we both talk too much. That's half our, half our battle. <laughs> On a more sombre note, um, this week we've lost uh, a legend at Sky Sport and, in fact, in North Harbour, where both of you guys played your footy, Willie Lose, only 55 years old, passed away this week. Um, I worked a lot with him um, in my early career at Radio Sport. Um, thoroughly, thoroughly missed. What a character. Oh, huge personality. And, um, yeah, I had a lot to do with him, especially when I was moving into commentating and I think the one thing you love about Willie is he just would always gift you his time. Um, you know, after a lot of the games I'd commentated, he'd send me messages, advice. Um, so, I, you know, he certainly will be sorely missed um, and, and brought 
I smiled everyone's face wherever he went. So certainly tragic news. Um, and you know, speaking within the Harbour rugby community, it's it's definitely hit a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, he was one of those blokes who could walk into a room and just have a chat with anyone and just 100%. get into it. Great tourist. Huge, fantastic tourist. Enjoyed a bar. We both started at the same time. I was like 20 years old and I was one of the young producers and uh, Willie was trying to make his way into Talkback Radio and then, you know, through his broadcasting career. And so he drew the short straw on a Saturday night and his first gig was on a Saturday night and I was his producer. And so I, I was getting paid, heaven knows what I was getting paid back then. You, could, <laughs> you, couldn't, buy, you couldn't buy lunch, um, yeah. <laughs> put it that way. And the deal that Willie had was that Willie had to sell the advertising on his show. So they said, we'll give you a trial run. You can have this Saturday night show. We're not going to pay you, but you can sell any advertising you like within that spot and pay yourself. So Willie being the guy who was, you know, he'd go out and meet a couple of people, sell some advertising. Next thing you know, the show is chock-a-block full of people who were calling up and getting on to sell whatever it was that they were going to sell. We got to the end of the season, and you talked about generosity of his time, generosity of his money too. We got to the end of the season, and he walks into the little booth, uh, the production booth, with a wad of cash in his hands, and he goes to me, this is your cut. And lays it down on the table, and I was like... It is, mate. You know, you know, I'm being paid. <laughs> you know, I'm being paid, and he's like, "This is, this is your." Case. It epitomises the man, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. He's full of integrity. Yeah. Um, and and also wants to reward hard work. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Um, I don't know how hard I was working, but I was definitely there every night. <laughs> it was Saturday night, and you're a young man. <laughs> no, you're working hard. Saturday night talkback is hard work. <laughs> the, the, the game finishes, everyone turns off their tally, and the same three people would call you up. Fired up, no doubt. Yeah, and if the game hadn't, you know, if if a team had won, no one cared. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If the All Blacks had won, the Lions are clear and no one wants to talk. If the All Blacks have lost, we're there till two in the morning and Willie's fired up like, can we do another hour? I'm like, no, we're closing at midnight. We're already at half past 12, mate. So good, so good. (laughs) Yeah, he's good, very good man. So uh, to Willie and your family, obviously, miss him a lot and uh, we appreciate it and uh, our thoughts are with you. Um, so, yeah, let's move on to the test match this week. We've got a Bledisloe Cup test on a Thursday. You know, never mind quiet Saturday night talk. Back on a Thursday night. Well, the reason they did it, it hasn't quite eventuated because the storm have bundled out of the NRL, so they won't be a threat. And I think the Swans are hosting Collingwood in Sydney. Mm-hmm. So they originally did it to not um, go up against, you know, the final series of the NRL and um, AFL, which is a smart decision, to be fair. Um, but there's none of that on this weekend, so hopefully all the crowd are fired up to get along to the game on Thursday night. Mm, mm, a massive weekend with the AFL on. Great place to be if you're an all-black looking to go under the radar and get ready for a test match. Yeah, absolutely, and, and I suppose the Thursday, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people you know, today and, and previous days going, oh, you know, you're looking forward to the test match this weekend, and I was like, oh, it's Thursday. So they would have been able to go right under the radar in terms of you know how long they've been over there and, and preparing for this test. So um, I think everyone's looking forward to it. Um, both oppositions have had an up and down season, so it'll um, it'll be definitely exciting in Melbourne with a full house, hopefully. Bryn, considering they didn't play on the weekend, how does playing on a Thursday affect the way that they prepare? Will it be much different? No, I don't think so. I think you know you pretty much just, I guess, get your preparation and treat it like a Saturday game, but you're playing on a Thursday. So they would have travelled a little bit earlier. And to be honest, it ends up just being pretty much a normal week. So I think the good thing about it is, like Jip alluded to, is that, you know, they've gone under the radar, you know, thinking that um, the AFL and the NRL is going to be on the weekend. But 
you know, they've been able to go under the radar the first couple of days. And then now, um, knowing that the test match isn't that too far away, um, they'll be able to, uh, you know, go and go and explode on, on the Thursday night. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's great to be able to not wait till the Saturday. I think being able to watch it on Thursday and got a bit of a mighty 10 cup feel, Bunnings NPC feel, but knowing that it's a test match, it comes a little bit earlier. And I guess for people to watch it, um, I'm really excited to watch it on a Thursday night and not have to wait till Saturday. Yeah. yeah, my understanding is they'll just, their day one will be Saturday. You know, they work in days that don't quite like in, as in day one, two, three, and it's, it'll just be replicated. It won't be like, oh, it's Saturday, so it's different. It's just that mindset shift of, okay, the game's Thursday. We work back from that, what we need to tick off. And, and I think they would have got over there a little bit earlier, so maybe a few light sessions to acclimatise to the conditions, but they would have ramped things up in the weekend. So Thursday is day six. I mean, yeah. Seven. Day seven. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's normally a seven-day period back, so and uh, obviously day. day three today, so they probably would have had a day off. Yeah. Uh, no, yesterday, sorry, day off. So day four today um, would have been their big training day, um, and then captain's run day, where am I? <laughs> day five, yeah. yeah, and then day six, yeah, yeah. And so you reset normally on a Sunday, but this time it'll be a Friday. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty yes. much. That's day one. And then they might get, like, because yeah. it's on the Saturday, they might get the weekend off, travel back. Um, and then come back into camp Monday, yeah, or Sunday night. Probably um, get that you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday off, which is actually quite nice. Sometimes yeah. you play that Saturday, you have a Sunday, and then you're back in on day one on your Monday. But it'd be quite nice. They'll probably play the Thursday, fly back and get a three day kind of rest recovery, and it'll help probably actually a lot better as well, knowing that they've just come off a little break as well. So um, you'd think they'll be really refreshed coming to this Aussie Test match, and then even after that, having a three three day break, I know they'll take the best out of that and um, recover really well and even be more fresh for the following for the following week. So the key changes to the team this week, no Savia, no Frizzell. So that 6-8 combination that's been there for the last couple of test matches is gone. Barrett at 6, Satuto at 8. Do you like that as a combination with Sam Kane? Yeah, well, I do. Like, Obviously, I think Scott proved a lot of people wrong when he got his crack there at 6 and um, has had you know time covering there. Um, and... I think line-out will be important, so having three big bodies. Um, well, actually four now. Hoskins is a real um, line-out threat. Um, so it's definitely a nice make-up and, and then you know plenty of impact to come off the bench to, to free them up late in the game. One of the things that they've said about the All Blacks loose forward trio is maybe it lacks a little bit of balance with Xavier, despite you know his, his obvious talents being probably the best player in the country, being small for an international number eight. Now you've got the chance to play a slightly bigger bloke. Is this a good opportunity for New Zealand to look at a different kind of combination and see how that works, Brent? Well, I think Artie is pretty pretty good, but I think what, what Hoskins does do, he's a great line-out option. I um, mean, you know, when you've also, they're going to select Scott Barrett at six, you've got, then, you know, you've got Whitelock and Retallick. That's four genuine line-out options. So you think around the line-out defensive pressure that they can put on the Australians, and you'd like to think that that's where the All Blacks are going to try and... Um, you know, put a lot of pressure on their on their set piece. But um, you know, Hoskins, I think it's come at a great time for him. You know, he's played two games at Bunnings NPC to get some game time. Probably, you know, not wanting to get the game time that he's had. But I think the athlete that we've we've talked about him a lot. You know, his ability to be able to go off the scrum, being able to attack off that, um, his skill set, um, his distribution, even as he can kick as well as a number eight. So I think for him, it's come at a great time, and probably um, we wanted to see Hoskins a little bit earlier, but just due to the inconsistencies, the All Blacks haven't been able to. You know, been able to change in their in the selection process, but um, look, I think it's come at a great time for Hosk, and hopefully, um, he can get a good performance out there. And knowing that we need to build depth, you know, if Artie Sevier goes down, 
Um, you know, Hoskins is selected as a number, as an out-and-out number eight. Um, it's probably coming at a good time for him to, to try and unleash the shackles and have a good performance against the Aussies. And I think it's key against the Aussies. If you look at all the games they've lost, one of the big areas that failed them was the lineout, and they had opportunities to win test matches, especially against England. And it was, you know, not straights due to that pressure or overthrows due to that pressure England were putting on. So having those four bodies and, and making sure that not all four of them try to jump all the time, it'll be key that they're on the same page and, and they'll have systems around that. But that's a big factor. And also, I, I think, you know, not to focus too hard on set piece, but what Hoskins can do, you know, we've started to see the All Black scrum edge that dominance. But what he can do is change the picture with a quick hook and go, and he can take he can he can take off thirty metres. Like that, he's got the skill set to link up with the backs. Um, so I think that's an exciting aspect because you know the Australian flankers are going to have to stay on, and if he can pull one out of the hat and you know get away, then they're going to be more thinking about him, and that's when the All Blacks can go for the kill with a scrum and march and, and milk some penalties, and then you're starting to get some real dominance and ascendancy in the Test match that allows you to sort of piggyback your way up the field. That's an interesting talking point because last time we saw a test match at this venue under the roof in Melbourne, the grass cut up. It was sandy underneath and every scrum went down just because the grass was moving under their feet. So knowing that, having a person like Hoskins Satutu becomes very valuable. Massive. massive. And it's not to say that Artie can't do it, but it, it is something that it's a hell of a skill that Hoskins has to just scoop a ball up with one hand and go. Like it was freakish when I played with him. Like how how hard we hook back. Like it flies back there, and he's just gone, um, and and out of the gates. And and he's, he did it against uh, I think when he started against Argentina when it was his um, rugby championship over in Oz. So he's done it at um, international level, and, and I just think it's a real weapon, and it catches defenders off guard. You know what it's like, Brennan. It is quite a challenge for for halfbacks because. If you lose that connection or you, um, you, know, you beat them off the scrum, it's hard for you to cover both sides. Yeah. It's, your worst, it's seriously your worst nightmare when there's kind of um, you know, kind of 15, 16-metre blind and you've just got the wing on the blind side and you've got the nine. I've done a, <laughs> a lot with, uh, with Artie Severe. Hey, you guys have seen that a lot. But it's really hard to be able to defend. And so what that does do, if you've got the ability to do that, you're going to send another person over you, know, you look at the um, example when David Harvilli puts Rico into that um, short ball option, even though they had a um, had a man down. The ability that a number eight at the back of the scrum, how you can manipulate it, um, a defensive system, is putting another guy over just because you're so scared of the quick hook, like um, Jip, like Jip said, it's so hard to stop. So um, he's got the skill set for that, and I know the amount, the amount of preview uh, we had to do for Hoskins, Artie, and those boys that can play at a number eight that have got a great skill set to go for the quick hook. Um, it puts you under so much defensive pressure. So I'd like to think that probably the Australians will be looking at Hosk and trying to see how we can try and um, try and stop that. I guess how we try to do that is you try and put a lot of a lot of pressure on him at the base um, because sometimes when it goes through that channel one, Jip, you'll know that when it goes straight back to that between the locks feet and uh, the loose forward, the, the, the defensive pressure you can put on um, the number eight as soon as they're um, taking their, the one hand off and the shoulders off you can then go and uh, attack the eight. So you'd like to think Nick White and those um, Wallabies halfbacks will try and um, put a lot of pressure on in that kind of um, attacking pressure from the All Blacks. So when the number eight takes a shoulder and a hand off, then suddenly yep. there's less pressure on the back of the scrum and they're searching for the ball. Is that what you're saying? Like it's not just right in front of them? It's pretty much like because, you know, the likes of Artie and Hoskins that are, are great ball runners, um, with where the ball goes in the scrum, um, you know, 
the hooker hooks it back and it actually goes in between the lock, the left the, the left hand side lock and the left hand side flanker, and it sits in that kind of pocket area between the flanker and the number eight. So the number eights tend to try and um, break off their shoulders to go and, go and get the ball. Like if you look at Hoskins, sometimes he'll grab it with one hand, but the rule is if the number eight shoulders are off and you, you know, the shoulders are on, and then they go off to try and to try and get the ball. The number nine then can can, can go for the ball and put put pressure on. Um, if you could probably show a vision, uh, Ross and the um, Crusaders um, Blues final, look at when I put pressure on Hoskins because you can try and stop it at the source. The last thing you want is a quick hook, and then um, Hoskins or Artie players like that to get outside the seven and go hard at that first channel, which is usually a number ten. So it's a hard defensive play to make a tackle really close to the line. So. Um, the amount of pressure you can put on the number eights through that with halfbacks, um, it's really important to try and stunt that momentum of having a really good number eight at the back of the scrum. But one of the key things that you rely on there is your flankers to, you know, create a pathway. So that, you know, um, Barrett and, and Kane are going to have to make sure that they, you know, protect Hoskins a little bit to allow him to get off. So there are ways around it, but again, it's going back to. You know, it's such a hard job for Lucy's this these day and age because you've got to be on. Everyone wants you on, you know, going hard for the scrum. But then you've got to worry about, um, you know, Nick White's very good at it. You know, TJ Peronara has done it mm. for a number of years. He's he's made it a, a nightmare for for both. And if they have a bit of success, and as I was saying before, you know, Hoskins, if he has success, then it means they might be able to go for a penalty. Well, if the Nines have a bit of success, they can really change that defensive p- picture by. You know, Nick White could come up, come up, and then drop back just before, um, so that he joins that defensive line, and, and the pitch is straight away different um, for for the All Blacks attack. So, it, it's almost who gets the small wins there is, is quite crucial. But both can backfire as well, so it is a it's, it is a high risk um, play. But I, I think with with Hoskins and his ability to scoop that ball up with one hand. Um, it's probably more favoured towards the All Blacks. You also got to watch out for getting slapped in the face these days. <laughs> we don't need to bring that back up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's an unusual tactic. It but, is. You know, it is. It's pressure all the same, even if it's like Oscar. But I think it's like what Brim was saying. Like all jokes aside, is if you can just get a bang on that arm, and and they bobble the ball, or um, you know, it's an accidental offside mm. penalty. Like those are big plays. Before the Island series, to say that the All Blacks front row week on week would be De Groot. Taukiaho and um, Tyrell Lomax. You probably wouldn't have predicted that. No, I think I definitely think Taukiaho was, you know, definitely in consideration. There was a lot of chat about him starting, um, but you know, Cody got the nod there, and he was exceptional on the end of your tour. You know, you always knew he was going to be pushing, knocking on that door for a start. The difference was when he got the start, how well he played, and now he's almost got the confidence. He 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 just. It's, it's hard to explain. Like, there's some players that just play their best rugby at international footy, and he just looks so at home at that level, which is, you know, it's outstanding for his growth and development. And I also, you know, I do think his time, you know, around his improvement and his line-out thrown has got to be a lot of credit with the, whoever runs the line-out, and you'd have to think that's Sam Whitelock and that confidence he's given him to really throw um, at that pinnacle. De Groot, you had to think he was always going to be there or thereabouts. Maybe not a regular starter, but with Moody's injury, um, you know, and and other guys having bigger workloads at international level. Um, but he's he's made every post a winner as well. And Lomax is probably the biggest outlier, isn't it? You know, he missed selection. Um, you know, he wasn't uh, in the mix for the 23, let alone the starting 
Uh, then a couple of injuries, opportunity again. Um, as we were saying before with the Lucys, it's not a development team. And if you take your opportunity, um, you know, your only currency is your performance. And they just keep performing, they'll keep getting picked. Mm. So, Bryn, if you were to have Ofatunga Fasi come back, if you were to have Joe Moody come back, would they just stick with the same team because it's working? I think for the meantime, um, just with how inexperienced they are um, and how they've been, like, with the likes of DeGroote and Lomax, um, just being able to keep, continue to keep playing them, um, especially even if they're experienced, you know, you could think workload and being able to maybe have changes here and there. But I think with how they're going and the inexperience that they do have, just keep them on there. Keep them playing a good return of form. Keep them playing well and getting that confidence. And then even, you know, the likes of George Bauer and um, Fletcher Newell, who even wasn't even in the environment as well, very similar to Lomax, has taken his opportunity and they're doing some great roles off the bench. And you know, the likes of Jason Ryan and very similar to the Crusaders, being able to play, you know, 50 to 30 minutes, um, that popping duo. So, no, for me, I'd keep them in there, keep them while the, while the form's hot. And then, um, you know, if there's injuries in that, then you've got the likes of Nepo and Ufa who, you know, who are proven, you know what you can get with them. But... I think with how successful they're going, especially Tokiaho, man, just he's um, like you said, man. You'd have to put him in the class of being, you know, one of the best hookers in the world. Yeah. And so it's happened very, very quickly. So um, his his improvement has just been great. And he's he's the difference I feel in our attack at the moment, Jip. We've got him in the middle of the field doing the hard carries with him and Artie Sevier every single time. He's just getting over the advantage line, which I think is the difference with, as well as a set piece line at work as well. Massively, and I, and I think it's key to um, identify that because. I think a whole generation of hookers were changed, um, you know, when Colsey came in and he stayed on those wide channels and really um, had that top-end speed and we saw pretty much a lot of world rugby go that way. It's almost like come full circle and, and the blokes like mm. Marks and Takiaho, um, you know, and, and Fyanga um, are almost used in the middle as battering rams because they're just so big, strong, and they get that low body position yes. Um, get it across the game line. It's almost like the next generation of hooker are going to be looking to be at that 115, 116, not that 108 to 110 mark and being an extra loose forward on the width. Don't get me wrong, he's still as effective at the breakdown at getting turnovers, but there's been a complete shift in that hooking role. Um, and, and he is, yeah. he, his game is suited to that middle of the field, tough carries. He, you watch him, when he carries, he just pops back up and he gets straight back in and the hands back up. He's like, I'm ready to go again. He's... He, he's, his fitness must be so up there at the moment. He, his work ethic, both sides of the ball, um, attack and defence, is, is exceptional at the moment. And has that been caused by the, the defensive structures that's meant that you needed players like that in tighter rather than out wide? I, I think so because it's quite hard to get to that width and it's almost like these days at international rugby you have to, you know, the old cliche, you've got to win... Um, you know, up front before you can go to the width because you haven't sucked in defence, you haven't manipulated it. And look, if teams don't front up through the middle, the All Blacks have shown they can get their tip passes going, they can find weak shoulders and get the offload game going um, and or create quick ruck. They, they only need one clear and that ball's gone and that's when you can get it to the width. And it's almost like, OK, this is the eight we're picking, so where are they best suited? And at the moment, Takiyahu is so well suited in that middle. Just backing on what Jip said around his work ethic and being able to get set early on attack. Like, I think we played in the semi final, I think he maybe had like 28 carries in the game, you know? So, and I think it's just an amazing amount of fitness and work ethic. But then I think you're right. I think where the game's going and the kind of hooker role and um, the breakdown being so crucial because it's so, like you said, Ross, it's so hard to be able to get to the edge if you don't win 
that middle breakdown, you know, whether it be off the forwards, um, you know, off Aaron Smith or um, even around the corner off Richie or Bodie in that kind of zone. You've just got to be able to win the battle through the middle. And look, Tokiaho, his ability to be able to do that has been so good for the guys. And I think that's the reason why sometimes we've been so successful being able to get lightning quick balls because his ability to be able to win the advantage line, get over that gain line, and then being able to open up that fourth and fifth defender from that ruck um, due to his ball carry. So, um, yeah. Like you said, I think the the eight that they've selected and I guess the way that they're using the attributes of what they do really well. So 28 carries, so put that into perspective. <laughs> like how many more than a normal amount for a hooker is that? I think like if you're, if you're going at your stats like I used Hoskins before, 13 and 13, that's probably you know quite, quite high. That is NPC level. Um, but it's also, in some teams, it's like, okay, you're a really good carrier and you're a really good cleaner. Mm. So if you can get yourself in those positions and you've got time to do it, because I might be a really good cleaner, so I might clean 40 or 50 rucks, and Samasoni cleans five, but he has 28 carries and I have one carry. Do you know what I mean? So it, yeah. it is, sometimes in teams, it is like we need to get you in that position. I know at the Blues, we worked really hard to get a guy like Paddy Tuipulotu in the middle so that, you know, if there was a tough carry to be had, you know, his body mass is going to be harder to stop than, say, mine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's different for each team it's not really a hooker specific but that's high for anyone that's that's higher that's that's ridiculous you know we talk about the amazing stats of um Kremer and Kane around 27 28 tackles um you know carries are you, you're normally getting tackled by two blokes um it, it's it's a big it's a big job mm. big job Chip, you think about it right 28 carries but you've got a scrum as well and then you've got throw. A scrum, and, you've got to, and you've got to do line out mores and you've got to throw so, look, it's that just ridiculous. comes, but he just must have, he's got a massive engine. Um, to be able to do that, obviously he hasn't done 28 carries internationally. But I but think he's done between 15 and 18, like the test, yeah. last two tests, like, <laughs> that's still ridiculous. When you take into account the fact that he's a hooker, so more than likely he's only going to be playing 50 to 60 minutes, that makes it even crazier. Yeah. Like he's making a carry mm-hmm. every couple of minutes. And he pretty much is. If you watch the game, like, he just pops back up in that mm-hmm. carry position, and that's why I think... Maybe everyone around him knows that it's key to get him in that main carry spot because he's still got the skill set to give the tip. He's got the skill set to go out the back. But if there's a wall of defenders and the um, the backs don't want it, he's not. He doesn't care. He's yeah. going through you. Put your head down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in his head, he's looking yeah. past you already. Like yeah. he, that's how he carries it. And you know he'll release the ball and he'll go again. And then you've got Artie who comes in for a quick pick, and straight away mm-hmm. then you've got an advantage because you've caught the defence offside. And then you're away, and that's when guys like Rico and Davy Havili and, and Co can shine. Mm. It's good timing too. Like the All Blacks needed something like that a year out from the World Cup, and he's just timed his run perfectly. Yeah. But I also think the other two are vitally important as well in terms. You know, I always reference this for the 2015 World Cup and the crucial role that Kevin Mialami played and mm. uh, allowing Dane Coles to be his very best and developing Cody Taylor as the next. Generation, so there, there is still a massive role to play, and, and and when the game's in the balance to bring on that experience in the last 20 minutes, is just as crucial as winning the first 60. And if you want a really rugged Thursday um, preparation, Dan Coles is your man. <laughs> oh yeah, he certainly. Uh, it, once he crosses any white line, it's on. Yeah, <laughs> doesn't matter if it's game day or training day. When we're on tour with the All Blacks, you were never allowed to watch training, apart from on a Thursday if the coach was in a good mood. You'd be invited to stay after whatever. You know, you'd come in with your camera and you'd shoot your warm up for ten, fifteen minutes. Get a couple of players doing bugger all, and then turn the cameras off and 
on a Thursday on tour, they'd let you sit in and watch. And I always really, really enjoyed that because of two blokes. And it was Cody Taylor and Brody Retallick because they were just smashing people. <laughs> no matter which side of the field they were on, oh, they were just Brody into it on a Thursday. Yeah, he's that's, so, that's, um, that's so good, though, for like your, for your group, you know, that competitive edge. And, you know, you even talked about it um, previously, the Argentinian week, uh, Brody Retallick. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Coming back into the fold and the kind of competitive edge that you bring to that environment. And so, yeah, I've heard Strip, you've been up against Dane Coles, I don't know how many times, but every time you've talked about me with him, it's a, it's a hell of a ding-dong battle and he's very um, very chippy as well. But, um, yeah. you know, I think that's great for a group when you've got guys like that that can put it on, put you on edge and being able to, um, you know, do things that are, 50-50 thinking on the good side and the bad side of the law, but sometimes you need that in a test week and when you're under pressure, guys being able to bring that, being able to um, put that in the squad because um, it's pretty invaluable sometimes when you're in, in a bit of a rut and so I'd like to think that'll continue with Colsey and, and Brody being there for sure. Yeah, Colsey. He's one of the, the other, greats. The other thing you got to do is put your ref's ears in, you know those little things that you can get when you, yeah. you listen to the referee's feed when you're in the stand yeah. and if Dane Coles is captain of the Hurricanes you hear more of him than you do the ref. <laughs> uh, and some of the language, you're sitting there wondering whether or not it's going to be on TV, you're like I hope he's not near the ref right now like, because <laughs> if that's on television. I think that's just all hookers that are captains talk far too much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, now the other thing in the All Blacks squad that's obviously changed this year outside of the front row and you know this week we've got the loose forward mix Richie Moonga has come in and taken ownership of the jersey in the last few weeks the 10 jersey that is over Bowden Barrett is is this it now do you think this is this is his jersey to lose I hate to say it though again but your only currency is performance and I don't see why they'd change it when things are starting to you know and, and we talk about that cohesion factor things are starting to heat up guys are starting to get really comfortable and confident and it's not just what Richie does as an individual performance, it's what he allows Davey Havili to do, which brings the best out of Rico. Um, so I'd say they stick with it. But, you know, like, as long as there's still Ws, you know, if you went on a losing streak. Yeah. But, you know, we always look at the 10, and it's like, you know, you're looking for this performance, but it can only be done off the back of the hard work up front, and that's been the biggest difference, is once that platform is laid, it's allowed them time to make better decisions on attack, make better decisions in their kick strategy. So, and I know I'm just going to sound like an old front row here, but I reckon the big <laughs> fellow will back me up. If, if they don't get their platform, it doesn't matter if Richie or Bodie's at 10. It doesn't even matter if Johnny Wilkinson is at 10. It doesn't matter if Dan Carter's at 10. If you can't get the platform, you can't get across the gain line, 
can't buy yourself time, you're not going to be in the game. I hate to say, and it seems to be, it's a common message that we continue to keep saying on this, this podcast, the breakdown and being able to win that breakdown battle and physicality and execution around that sets up your whole game. And I know it's boring, but it's kind of where it is, I feel, Jib, at the moment in the international stage. If you don't win your breakdown battle and you don't get the physicality right to be able to put yourselves in positions of the field due, um, due to that, you don't win test matches. And that's why I think we've been so inconsistent this year because some some games we've won the breakdown battle and we've played really well, running, kicking decisions and being able to execute that. If we haven't won the breakdown battle and it's been wrong, we've lost test matches. So um, I completely agree with Jip that if you don't get that right, it's really hard to win test matches against um, these top-tier nations. Yeah, so two things on that. One, Dave Rennie's sides always love a breakdown. And two, Colin Betty came out this week and said brutality is the main focus for us. Yeah, mm. and, and we know that's coming. Like, there's no bones. But Australia haven't always got it right this season. And when they've lost, they've lost the breakdown and they've lost the collision. And I, I don't think that'll be this week because of what's on the line, um, how much... You know, they have to prove and, and obviously the build-up and the focus that they'll be bringing to this test match. But I always do temper that with the breakdown accuracy is key that you just do it from a, you know, I suppose a, a physical point of view, not from a point of view to make a statement. Because if you get it wrong, you may spend 10 in the bin, but also you, you could put yourself and your team under more pressure by giving away penalties um, for sort of fighting that end battle. So it's just making sure that, yeah, there's fire in the belly, but you've got to have that calmness upstairs to make sure that, you know, you're really accurate and it's almost, you know, you, that you, you've got to be able to one, one, what is it, one bullet, one kill, you know? Like you can't have two or three goes at it because then that stuffs your whole other um, system. So, you know, there is a, sometimes people can get over animated and they'll make more errors than not by trying to hurt people rather than going okay I've just got to get this done this is my job for this moment and then move on to the next. So when you look at the way that the Aussies approach it in comparison to the way the Argentinians approached it things seem to be a bit tighter the Aussies like to play a wider game don't they so how will the All Blacks change the way that they approach the breakdown their kicking strategy and all of those kind of things Bryn in this game against Australia considering the alternate style to Argentina? I think the defensive pressure that the All Blacks have done in this series has been really great. And I think it's tackle, it's tackle choice first and foremost. You've got to be able to get a dominant tackle. And so, you know, no doubt, um, you know, Scott McLeod will be talking around tackle sex selection and being able to, to get that right and then being able to um, get a defensive line that's set and then being able to put outside pressure. Because I think the if the Australians can find moments in the game to to get quick ball, um, like you look you look at Nick White, and when he can influence the game around Rovers with Corin Betty, I think their work rate that they've got with their wingers uh, are some of the best in the world, but you can only get that with quick ball. So we've talked around breakdown, and if they can get that, Nick White can be able to get out and snipe both ways, and he's had success against the All Blacks when they've been able to do that, but I think their face play shape as well, they actually do ask a lot of questions, and the Irish have some similar players around their block players and been able to ask questions with animation or short ball out the back, rovers with Corabetti and co to be able to try and influence and trying to um, ask questions of that defence of the All Blacks. But I've been really impressed with the All Blacks. I think the only time this year where they didn't get there right was when the Irish played the Irish because the physicality of the breakdown that the Irish got, the quick ball that Jamison Gibson Park was able to get really put us under pressure. And so... I don't think we've been tested like that, but I think the Australians have the ability because they've got a lot more animation than you like to think with, the, especially the South Africans and the Argentinians. 
didn't get that right. And probably the second test match and the, and the weather probably took that away for them. So, um, like we said, if they can win the breakdown, the Australians in times, they can really ask questions of the All Blacks. And I think for the Australians, they've got to be able to take the opportunities. You know, I think if they um, if they don't get that execution right and the Argentinians made a lot of handling errors and, and forced mistakes, then it's going to be really tough for them. So they've got to take the opportunities when they have them, um, especially when they get into get down into that All Black zone. Oh, I definitely agree. Like I think it's it's more of that. Um the Australian attack is more of that bodies in motion. There's a lot of um, attacking threats that are moving, and that's when it's key for for the All Blacks defence. The first thing I'd say is for for us, you know, obviously win the dominant tackles, so it's not fast right, but getting our spacing right. So being more spacing connect rather than body on body, and making sure that you, you sort of don't get too tight around the ruck because sometimes. If, if the ball's quick or, um, you know, there's a lot of moving parts around the ruck, um, forwards can tighten up and one pass mm. can beat about six defenders, which puts these two or three defenders under a lot of pressure. So it's making sure that spacing on the ruck is, is really consistent so that one pass beats three, mm. you know, because that's normally what's expected. But if it's any more than that three, you, you're asking a lot of your defence and it'll have to be that passive defence. So that spacing around the ruck to allow um, you know the middies and and the outsides to do their job will be crucial, and, and then I think um, you know both sides will have seen um, from a kick strategy point of view when each have struggled they've lost the kick battle they've lost that aerial battle, you know Australia massively against Argentina when they got dusted up there and the All Blacks you know obviously against the Springboks and so I, I think there will be a balance between all out attack but also that feeling out because I think it leads to the full 80-minute performance, you know, having the ability to put those attacking kicks in, having the ability to put those contestables in early, and, and they should be tested both sides because of what they've seen previously. Sorry, Ross, I just think the contestable games of, of the Australians going to be really, really important. Um, you know, a lot of teams um, during this rugby championship have been kicking down the middle of the field, which is great. If you get good go forward ball, kick it, kick it to the middle of the field or long, and, you know, the... The attacking team from that counter-attack has to come and attack um, from the 22. But I think the contestable games off whoever's at 10 and um, with Nick White have to be on the money. Mm. I think if they don't get that right and they give the All Blacks counter-attack counter abilities and just give them easy pill, then I think the ability of the skill set of the All Blacks and being able to um, you, you use the likes of Will Jordan and Rico with space at hand um, is going to be too much for them. So the execution of the kicking game and contestables, especially off Nick White, and whoever selected at 10 um, has to be on the money. You have to think that, you know, they can take a lot of confidence in looking at the South Africans when they get that right and they get that contestable game right. It's a 50-50 in the air or it's on the edge of the sideline and then the All Blacks have to attack from the sideline um, against pretty much a 14-man or 13-man wall. So I think the kicking game is going to be really important and the execution and the no-man's land of the, 40, of the 40s is going to be important. But just in general, I think it's going to be pivotal for the Australians to get a result in their kicking game. Now, it's been an inconsistent rugby championship. Well, it's been consistent. Everyone's been yeah. consistent. Um, yeah, everyone's two wins, two losses from four games. Which version of the Wallabies and which version of the All Blacks are you expecting to turn up this weekend? I think both are, uh, will stand up. I think it'll be, it'll be a real close contest. And, and as Bryn said, like, opportunities have just got to be taken. I don't think they'll be presented as much as... 
um, you know, I suppose either side had felt in that last two test series, obviously when Aussie won against the Springboks, they got off to a hot start and held on. The All Blacks coming off a 50. I just don't see it being like that. There's just too much on the line. Um, you know, rugby championship is one thing, but the Bledisloe Cup is so important to that All Black side. But, you know, those Aussies want it um, just as bad. So uh, I think we'll see the very best. I'm actually probably going to go from the performance that we've seen um, against the Argentinians. I just think I'm probably backing the All Blacks to go up another level, I think. I think um, they're going to take a lot of confidence from from that. And again, this is just, you know, could probably come sit here next Monday and thinking like you're an idiot, Bryn, but <laughs> I think it's going to be a dominant performance from the All Blacks. I think with the Bledis low, with on the line and how much it means to that group um, and knowing that uh, they can take confidence. And they've shown growth around the areas that we wanted to see against, against Ireland. Uh, the kicking game, and then also the ability to be able to attack through the middle with the likes of, you know, Tokiaho and Savia. You'd like to think Hoskins will be in and around there, but I like there's been, there's been a slight improvement every single takeaway the losses that we've had, but I've seen a, I've seen an improvement in our game. So I actually think the All Blacks will be maybe two tries better than um, the Australians, but it'll be tight. I think the first 50, 60 minutes it'll it'll be hard, um, but then I think in the the, the last 20 minutes I think we're going to go over the top of them. So I'm think, calling it now. I think as well as um, you know improvements is that Mall D improvement. That's been mm-hmm. massive. Um, and, and even from when they did it really well against Springboks, they got penalised a lot for that leg lift. They've even made adjustments out of that and they've got better and better. But the Wallabies have scored a lot of mall tries, so it's no easy feat. Um, so they're going to have to be on there as well. Um, so I suppose all the areas that we are seeing improvement in are going to be crucial to, the, to this victory. What about the other game? What about South Africa versus Argentina? Again, two teams have been incredibly inconsistent. One week world beaters, next week barely there yeah and a, and a little bit of squad movement with guys having to go to contracts and so forth so um it's a tough one but you'd have to think the Springboks go on as as favorites for it i know they're away from home but um just they've probably been more consistent when when rg are on they're on but when they're off they're really off whereas the Springboks have been there or thereabouts that you know when they've won They've you know won, but when they've lost, they haven't been too far off. They probably just haven't got um, their, their contestable kicking game has obviously not been there, or they've kicked too long to give that time. So I think they'll be really assured of themselves in, in that performance that got them the result in Australia, and, and I think they've just got to go out and replicate that. And in Argentina, Bryn? Well, I think the Argentinians will be really disappointed with, with how they perform against the All Blacks because um, the defensive pressure that they've been able to put on, take away from that, um, that last test match has been has been really really high. We talked around um, David Kidwell and his involvement around um, the physicality and I guess the tackle technique and tackle selection and choice and the defensive pressure that they've put on a lot of teams. But I think what let them down last last time was their was the execution. They made far too many unforced errors and I know probably the weather dictated that a lot. But you'd like to think uh, Checker and, and Co will be able to try and change that and say look the execution isn't going to be that bad because. Now, when they're on and they've got the ability to be able to have a low um, unforced error rate, they put teams under a lot of pressure. We've shown um, they can kick really well in that first test match against the, uh, the All Blacks. They kicked really well with Karares and being able to have Botrano as well in there as well, and they kicked really, really well. But um, when they played the Australians in, in Argentina, they attacked very, very well, very similar with animation and being able to use your outside, forward, um, outside forwards and outside backs. They really penetrated and asked a lot of questions of that Australian defence. So I think for them it's been able to defend well, um, and when they do kick, they kick very well. But I think it was more so the unforced areas and they'd like to tidy that up and make it a more of a lower count because I think 
they'll put the um, the South African team under pressure. It's pretty much two physical teams. It's going to be a, a very mm. physical encounter. Two big teams have been able to win that breakdown battle. So, um, yeah, I think the unforced error rate is probably one area that Czech will be hoping to they do love to feed off defence though if you look at all their successful yeah. results it's been on the back of being dominated uh, being dominating in defence and I just don't know if they're going to get opportunities like they got against um, the All Blacks and Wallabies because those teams like to attack and they like to keep coming with ball in hand they're not going to go away there whereas the Springboks it's not that they don't like to but they'll only pull trigger if it's really on and if it's not on they go to their kicking game so that sort of emotive energy I just don't know how they're going to find I know being at home is massive but I just don't think the Springboks are going to give them that much especially in their own half Now back home we had the FPC final Farrah Palmer Cup Canterbury again 41-14 another title for Canterbury Um, they're so consistent in making these finals and Kendra Cox Edge, New Zealand's probably, arguably New Zealand's greatest female rugby player, hundredth game, wins a title in the year she's going to retire. It's a fairy tale. It certainly is. Uh, I think she put up a post that she believes in fairy tales, so yeah, she definitely yeah. got one. Um, but and she was a massive factor in getting the result. Um, but man, their their ruck ball was so quick early. Um, that first forty took a lot of um, energy out of both teams' tanks, and it, you know, obviously really close there, but. It was probably the discipline that cost Auckland in the end. They picked up, you know, through Kendra's boot, three after three after three, and, and they didn't really touch the ball um, until, you know, sort of late in the piece, um, and, and they got a try. But other than that, they were sort of stuck down their end, and um, you know, Canterbury, you know, just picking up those threes, and then the pressure came on, and, and their scrum started to really, really struggle. And through, and through that, they managed to put that pressure on. Kendra scored a uh, good try off the back of that as well. So, you know, the set piece probably failed them and, and their discipline in, this, in the second 40. There's some wheels in those old legs of hers going down the sideline there, Brent. Oh, there was. There was. She still got it. She could still keep playing, to be honest. Yeah, she's, uh, she's doing well at her, at her age. But, yeah, I think it was a great send-off for, for both of those um, stalwarts of, of Canterbury rugby. You know, they've done so much. And especially Kendra, you know, you'd have to say that she is the best female women's player that's ever come through this country. You know, we've got Anna Richards as well, who's obviously been talked about as well. Um, Jensen as well, who obviously played for Hawke's Bay and was able to, to um, go out a winner against Otago. Um, but look, I think they, I thought Auckland did very well to try and stay in that, in that game. You know, like they got punched in the, in, the, in the nose the first four or five minutes with, their, with having two tries from Canterbury and going into 13-7 at halftime. And they would have been thinking, oof, we're lucky not to be down more points. But yeah, the discipline, you know, two quick penalties just after halftime and then the period of the 50th to 60th minute, um, you know, Canterbury were able to go over the top and score three tries to kind of, I guess, you know, you have that result and I guess, um, yeah, win that, win that game and not have it a really close encounter that you want in, in the back end of a game. But it was a great send-off, you know, you look at kind of the respect that Kendra had when she went off, being able to have the last you know, 13 minutes where she went off, uh, the standing ovation, because she's done so much for uh, for New Zealand rugby. And I know definitely down in Canterbury as well, you know, originally being from Taranaki, but you'd have to think that, um, you know, might be a statue out Rugby Park with uh, Kendra's name on it because uh, she's been awesome and a great send-off for her and um, those girls as well. And Canterbury dominating again and, and winning a championship. Have to knock down the Bryn Hall statue. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they just put them next to each other. Won't be one there, mate. Well, it's half, half Hall, half happen. Drummond. <laughs> and then Kendra. Well, it wouldn't be accurate, you know, with the beauty that is on his chin right now. It's not quite the same. We'd have to go down there and stick some some yeah. water in there. Nah, just shave it off. Pretend it's never there. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> yeah, and you know, the stands named after her, you know, the full works. It was a really yeah. nice occasion. Like that. And she's got a lot to still do, you know, like her game, I, I think it's probably the most explosive and, and Bryn, you'll be able to talk to us, but the way she cleared the base, the way she made decisions to when to snipe and just get rid of the ball, um, you know, the game was really played off nine, um, a lot of their success around that breakdown and got in behind those defence. So, And that's going to be crucial for the Black Ferns leading into this World Cup. I just think she is hitting peak form. She looks like she's just so invigorated coming out of that Black Ferns environment um, and, and definitely has been given the licence to run a hell of a lot more. Um, and, and you saw that on the weekend, and I'm really excited to see you know, who get another send-off at the end of the year. Yeah, she was buzzing. She was absolutely buzzing at the end there. More good footy back in New Zealand through the weekend. Obviously, we had the, um, the NPC as well. Uh, good win for counties there of a month or two. I'll put that in. I was glad I wasn't here last week um, when Harbour got the one up. I yeah. wasn't forced to wear that tight jersey again. None of that stuff. Well, we could always bring it out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it would be even tighter. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Game of the weekend for you? Probably um, Auckland Waikato. I was um, really interested in that. And I don't know, Waikato have just been chipping away. Like They haven't had any outlandish big victories, but they've, they've got the results they needed. And um, their back three with Sinkinson, um, Coons Fabling and, and Cook Savage was just ridiculous on the night. I, I'd say it's the best game he's ever played. Um, and, and Damien moving into that 10 spot, it just seems to be a good fix. Um, uh, so, you know, I'm really um, excited to see where they can, they can take this and if they can go back to back. What do you think, Bryn? You look at how Canterbury are going, you look at how Waikato are going. Who do you see as the team in, in better form and probably most likely favourites? Oh, you'd have to think. You'd have to think Canterbury. Um, you know, obviously that little um, slip up against Taranaki, um, but Canterbury, I think, you know, it probably came at a good time for Northland as well. They've obviously had a really good start to the scene and it was probably a good litmus test to be able to see where they were at. But um, you look, Canterbury are, are looking very strong and probably you look at probably the other side of the draw. Um, you know, you look at Waikato, Hawks Bay, Wellington and Bay, plenty. Um, you know, four teams that are that are pretty there or thereabouts in that kind of um, that side of the table. And you even look at probably other, the other side. It's North and Harbour and Tasman that are probably you know going out for that for that kind of third and fourth spot because um, it's pretty tight in that Canterbury. Are pretty pretty much you know well, what are they? They're ten points ahead of Auckland. So um, you'd have to say Canterbury would definitely be the favourites. But Waikato there or thereabouts. They're just finding ways to win, and especially a game against Auckland, which is always a great um, I guess a great game for those two provinces. Um, they're doing it there or thereabouts. So, um, and you, whenever you've got Damien McKenzie, um, you know, steering the ship around in the back end of the back end of the competition, where you think they make the semi-finals or quarter-final stages, having someone of that calibre um, is going to be really important. But I was really impressed, lastly, with Bay of Plenty um, against North Harbour. I think they started really well, and you know, the set piece that they did with the line-out more, North Harbour couldn't stop a line-out more to save themselves on on the weekend, unfortunately. So. Um, but you know they're 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 tra- um, tracking along nicely as well with Caleb Trask and, and you know t- um, Triple T um, being able to I guess have good performances with them. So it's pretty tight. But Canterbury at the moment will be my form team in, in, in this stage of the competition. I reckon Northland rested a few players, um, and they were in that game for for you know 50, 55 minutes. I, I think they're a dark horse. Like if they could somehow. You know, if they get on a roll here and they they squeak into getting you know sort of home quarter home semi sort of stuff, they they're man they've they've got a lot of belief in in that side and 
I think they have to be considered serious consideration. I, I think it's guaranteed they'll make quarterfinals. Um, but you know, if they can keep pushing these next two or three weeks and, and get a home semi potentially, man, what that would do for that community. You've seen already how much it means for them to play in front of their home crowd. Um, I, I've, I think there's plenty, there's plenty of water to go under the bridge just yet before, before we see a clear sort of one-two out the front. Who's your player on the rise this week? Oh, Cook Savage. Wow, man, it was some performance. Um, and I, I don't know, like I, I've noticed him before, but not like that. He, he was massive. Um, yeah, so, so him for me. It's a great name. Oh, yeah. It's uh, got star written all over it that night. He certainly is um, savage on his body because he <laughs> took some death line carries. He scored a beauty off one of them, but he is not afraid of uh, the collision. Um, and just his skill set, his work off the ball um, to set up McCurran's try, um, just a lot to like, uh, really secure under the high ball. Um, I just like that back three at the moment. The balance of that Waikato back three is, um, man, they're, they're just speedsters. They've got raw gas, and that's hard to defend. For you, Bryn? Mm. Uh, I actually went uh, Noah Hotham from, from Tasman. Yeah. I think um, he's been grateful for Tasman, and what a pickup for the Crusaders. Um, a young fella coming through. He's played really well at the under-20s level and has had some really big hype around him, uh, with being at Hamilton and down at the Highlanders previously. But, um, look, I think he had a tough tear hit. About a fortnight ago, we played against Canterbury and had a pretty tough night against mm. a pretty dominant um, Canterbury game. But he's really come back and you know was so influential and been able to his sniping game is so good around close to the line and just in general um, his offload game and was really impressed with his even his try saving tackle and his ability to be able to be getting breakdown penalties as well. So um, look, he's another halfback coming through really good. You've got Xavier Rowan, Cortez Ratima. Waikato, you've got Falau Fakatava, you've got Red, obviously. Um, you've got the experienced guys of TJ Perinara and Brad Weber, but I've been really impressed with Noah Hotham, and I thought he probably had his best game for Tasman um, against um, Taranaki on the weekend. And I think as coaches watching, and this is probably why he's already signed to the Crusaders, is to have that performance against Canterbury and then bounce back as quick as he has. He's a young man, and have that composure and ability to reset himself, plan his week, and go again and perform... Um, I think shows a lot about one his sort of already early development and professionalism, but it'll hold him in good stead because we know the pressure valve only gets more intense as you move up up the ranks. Well, plenty of NPC to come. In fact, it's a cracking week of rugby this week. Wednesday night, Waikato Southland. Thursday night, the All Blacks versus the Wallabies. Friday, Taranaki Manawa two. Counties Manukau versus Canterbury. Auckland Tasman, Hawke's Bay Wellington, Bay of Plenty Southland, Otago Waikato, Northland North Harbour, and the Wallabies versus. No. Uh, <laughs> I reckon that's the game of the round. Northland North Harbour. Northland North Harbour. Up up in yeah, Whangarei. Yeah. Um, yeah. North Harbour need a win. Yeah. And that is not going yeah. to be an easy trip. So to round out the weekend with that, it's an absolute doozy. That's a bus trip up, isn't Are it? Are you doing that game job? I'm doing that game. Yeah. Are you doing that game? Yeah. Pretty Ooh, yeah. pretty excited about it. It's, um, you know, like I've just said, Northland, I think, are a, a smoky for the title. Um, and, and North Harbour haven't had the best run um, with, you know, coming off that storm week and, and losing to Bay of Plenty. So they've got a bit of work to do to make those quarters. That's an old school trip, Brent, is it? The North Harbour guys jump in the bus two, to, two or three hours on their way up in the morning of the game? Nah, I reckon they'll go the night before. No, you go the day before. You'll go the night before. Right. And then straight bus trip home. Yeah. Commiserating or celebrating, yeah. one of the two. Straight off the yeah, field into the bus. Oh, no, Northland still run an old school after match, so you go upstairs and show face. Yeah. Um, and then and then head off. Yeah. 
Nice. Stop off it. Yeah. We, we yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, depends sorry. on the result. <laughs> a yeah. few stops on the way down, maybe the Puhoi pub or something <laughs> yeah. like that. There's plenty of options. Yeah, it's just the Puhoi, that's yeah. yeah, Puhoi pub. That's quite, yeah, definitely going there for a bit. <laughs> the result. Don't know how busy it'd be on a Sunday night, but oh, you never know. Oh, Where Sunday, Jeez, if North Harbour are there, then there's no problem at all, is it? <laughs> Tony yeah, Woodcock might be there. Yeah. yeah. He can welcome them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, guys, well, there's a big weekend of footy to watch. Well, thank you very much to Bryn Hall. Thank you very much, James Parsons. And that was another Aotearoa Rugby Pod for this week. Enjoy your footy this weekend. Enjoy the show on Sky, on YouTube, whether you listen to it on Audio Pod. Thank you very much for joining us. Matewa. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 